Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade by, make amends, and trade addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts podcast. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler. Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Well, you get Dan and you get Matt, but no Ryan this week. This is the DLF Dynasty podcast, but uh, but the but the but the big guys away, Matt. It's just the two of us this week. Yeah, we have a lot of fun when the boss isn't around. So yeah, let's yeah, make the, the most of it. You know, he's a pretty big name in the industry and everything, and I'm sure he'll listen in. A, the into Godfather, this and roll his eyes. That... The, yeah, the, I don't. I don't like to call him that because he doesn't like to be called <laughs> it. Uh, but he does hear that enough. Um, we are without Ryan this week, but we do have a great show where we came up with some good show ideas. Actually, Matt did most of the legwork this week. Uh, we're going to talk about landmines and gold mines in Dynasty. That should be a fun conversation. Um, we got listener questions we want to talk about, of course, and and we're going to hop in the Dynasty DeLorean as well. But first, we got uh, we got a startup to talk about. The startup. The startup this week is all around Alvin Kamara. Matt, he was in the news this week, of course bracing for a suspension it's gonna be at least six games and you know could be more this is all kind of hearsay we don't really know where all this comes from or when all this is gonna get handed down but it sounds like soon Matt and dynasty managers are gonna be without Camaro we've known that for a while but it's been kind of out of sight out of mind and now it hopped back into the forefront out of the recesses of our brains how are we reacting right now to Camara and what we assume will be a relatively lengthy suspension early in 2022? Yeah, in terms of Camara himself, I mean, you have to move him down a little bit based on, you know, age and the fact that this six game chunk is going to take a significant amount of this season. But, you know, when he comes back, I expect him to be the, the same old Alvin Kamara. So, um, I, in terms of what you do with him, I don't know. I guess you move him down in startups. I don't think it changes his trade trade value too much. But I think the really interesting p- thing to look at is the back build behind him because it's Mark Ingram and then a whole bunch of random names that we've all heard before. Uh, if if you played Dynasty and have been scouring waiver wires, guys like Devin Ozigbo, um, I think was on the the Jaguars at one point. J- Dwayne Washington, who we've seen bounce around the league and has had you know limited success with the Saints themselves. Tony Jones was a hot pickup last year, and then they have a UDFA. Uh, Ad- Abram Smith, who is a, a kind of an interesting player too. But I think the one that I would be focusing on, especially at the, the tail end of startup drafts or maybe even on your waiver wire if it's an ongoing league or um, certainly wouldn't cost very much at all, is, is, is Mark Ingram because six games of Mark Ingram's as the running back one, if he gets the normal volume Mark Ingram gets, then I think it could be pretty good. Uh, we have a very small sample size from last season. 
Um, he where Kamara missed weeks 10 to 13 and, uh, Ingram filled in admirably in weeks 11, uh, weeks 10 and 11. He did get hurt and missed week 12 and wasn't quite healthy in week 13. So we really only have two games to look at. And those two games, he averaged 15 carries, seven and a half targets, five receptions, 110 and a half yards from scrimmage, uh, about a half a touchdown. Only got one touchdown in those two games, but did average 18.1 points per game, which was good for running back eight over that two week span. So very small sample size, of course. Um, but somebody that could be very cheap production. We talk about production windows in fantasy football more in redraft than in dynasty, but it holds true for dynasty as well. And if you can get somebody as cheap as Ingram to fill in for those six weeks as a flex player or something like that, uh, I kind of like doing that. Going back uh, one uh, one more uh, data point for us two seasons ago, again, another two-game stre- stretch where Kamara missed time. Latavius Murray blew up for uh, a lot of fantasy points, 34.4 points per game over those two weeks. So we have seen the running back to be successful as long as it ends up being one guy and not just you know a, a mishmash of all of these guys that are sitting on backfield uh, for the Saints. There are a lot of factors to consider, though, Matt. This is a different coaching staff. Of course, they were there. They were in New Orleans, but but now there, there's going to be some kind of transition there. Of course, uh, it's going to be Jameis Winston under center as well, and, and that wasn't always the case when Kamara was missing time in the past as well. It's, it's rare that we as a podcast, Matt, will recommend a 32-year-old, <laughs> going to be 33-year-old running back uh, during the season, but this is a short window, right? And we do – there's a pretty safe expectation that Ingram will go into this run, the suspension, healthy and ready to go. And, and you know, those first few weeks could be relatively big for him. So I, I couldn't agree more. We're going to be watching the news there in New Orleans, though, not just for the Camara news, but also if there's a if there's a signing, if somebody comes along, there could be another name that's mixed in here, not only to ding Ingram and his potential early in the season, but to potentially uh, add to the list of guys that we want to rotate into onto our roster early in the season. Because it's too bad that all that went down, of course, in Vegas last year and Kamara is facing this suspension, but we should be looking at ways to capitalize as dynasty managers. So um, I I agree. It's Ingram for now, but let's, let's see what else happens there in New Orleans in the coming weeks. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. Now you know us here in the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We like to talk about ADP, and June ADP has been out now for a couple of weeks, but we've been we've been eyeing this closely. It feels like the last three weeks or so, we previewed it a few weeks ago. We got deeper into it again last week, and now this week we were perusing the ADP once again, the June ADP, and. This single quarterback average draft position that we're looking at here, Matt, there's some landmines every single round. It feels like a, a name that you feel, well, that could derail a startup. And then there's some gold mines, maybe some players that we we think should be a little bit higher in ADP. And we're going to try to highlight each one of those here uh, and try to get through as many rounds as we can. So let's start in round one and let's start with the landmines, Matt. You and I matched up right here um, with a running back, a young guy that a lot of people are building their 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 high hopes of the 2022 season around. We both went with Najee Harris. Why did why did he end up being a landmine for you? I just I just think RB two doesn't feel good for him. I mean, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that you should put someone else there, uh, but 
you know, it, it's, it, it feels like a default kind of setting, right? Like he's the next guy because, because he's the next guy. He's the next young running back who we have seen be, be productive and be in a pass, uh, especially in the passing game. Um, but looking a little bit deeper into him, you know, 307 carries last season, which was second to JT, um, which, you know, we want volume. That's the most important thing in fantasy, especially running back. Um, but he only had four of them went for 20, went for 20 or more yards. Uh, so one every 77 carries, uh, another positive. He did have 74 receptions on 94 targets, which was tied for the lead with Austin Eckler, but he only had 467 yards on those, uh, 74 receptions averaged about 6.3 yards per reception. And that was better than only miles Gaskin, Devin Singletary, Mike Davis, and Ezekiel Elliott among running backs that received at least 50 targets. Uh, and Eckler himself had 200 more yards on four less receptions and eight receiving yards to, to Najee's three. So I'm not saying you should put Eckler up there at running back two, but it feels like Najee is just a default. And if he's going to be a volume-based play while the Steelers team works on its offensive line, gets a, a real quarterback there. Uh, and, you know, they have these receiving weapons that we like as well. So uh, if he doesn't get there on the passing game this season – He's going to have to get there in the touchdown column, and the volume is not going to be an issue. But I don't want to spend, uh, you know, the second, the running back two pick somewhere in the middle of the first round, early first round on a guy that's going to be a volume-based play. Yeah, volume-based, and and we get we get the whole volume-based narrative, right? We we understand that that with opportunities comes fantasy points, and we want that on our teams. It's just that there are volume backs that you can get later on, and, and we're going to get to some of those guys when we start talking about our gold mines and also later on in the show. There's we, We're really paying for an offense and an idea that they're, they're run-based and they're going to be run-heavy. That, that all sounds good, but when you get all the way up there at, at fourth overall in RB2 when – when maybe you're passing on guys like CeeDee Lamb and, and Justin Jefferson, Kyle Pitts, those types of players that have a longer shelf life and uh, potentially more production this year immediately, it's just hard to do. So I went with Harris as well. As far as gold mines go, Matt, you didn't go all that far down ADP. <laughs> and uh, you've talked about him a couple times, but you went with JJ up there, wide receiver two and number three overall. Yeah, I just you can't miss with any of these top uh, guys, whether you want to go with him or, or, or Jonathan Taylor or the other receiver, Jamar Chase at the top, or the guy you'll talk about. I don't think you can miss on any of those. I just really like his situation, the best of those top receivers, um, the clear number one target, uh, a, a new offense that's going to has, has pledged to move him around the formation. Uh, Adam Thielen's 32 years old, going to be 33, I think, at some point in the season. Uh, Irv Smith is unproven as a third receiver. K.J. Osborne did some things, but... Uh, it to me, it's the Jefferson show. He's going to get a ridiculous amount of targets in a new pass first offense. Uh, and I think we'll be talking about him probably as the wide receiver one in dynasty next season. Mm. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a conversation that wide receiver one moving forward between chase and Jefferson. And I think the guy that I picked here, CD lamb and you know, the clearly the number one target in Dallas now with Dak Prescott in an offense that we want pieces of. And I just don't see a path to him not meet, reaching that mid 100s for targets, right? He should he should hit 150. He should surpass 150. I, I, I'd i be surprised if he doesn't average more than 10 targets a game. And, and you know, I know that there's touchdown questions and, and there's, you know, uh, there are other options in that offense, including Dalton Schultz and including Michael Gallup in the running game, multiple running backs on the team. But 
I want the guy that can consistently uncover from from defenders, can consistently get open both down the field and in the short to intermediate area, and that's CeeDee Lamb. He's going to run away with that job as, as the number one guy. He's just turned 23 years old as well. Just a guy I want to invest in any chance I can. Let's keep it with the gold mines in round two, Matt. Once again, we, we aligned our, our brains here. A guy we've talked about quite a bit. It's Jalen Waddell, and he's a guy that that we both agree should be in the first round in ADP. He certainly should be way higher than wide receiver 11. Yeah, I, I, for me, maybe it's maybe it's too high. I've been talking to a few people who said I'm too high, but I have him at wide receiver four just behind C.D. Lamb. Um, you know, he's, he's younger than A.J. Brown, who's at wide receiver five. He's younger than Devontae Adams at wide receiver six. We can keep going. Debo, T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf, Stephon Diggs. All these guys are great players, but they're all older than, for the most part, older than Jalen Waddell. And we've seen... We've seen the upside from Jalen Waddle. Excuse me. We haven't seen the upside from Jalen Waddle because we, what we knew about him coming out of college was that he was very good as a, as a deep speed threat. And in his first year as a rookie, we saw him kind of take over the other part of that role as the short and intermediate part because that's kind of what Tua is good at, right? So we've seen seen the, the floor, I think, from him, and the ceiling is still to be had in terms of adding some stuff to his game. Now, obviously, Tyreek is going to be uh, you know these guys are going to go back and forth. I bet. I think. I feel like. I feel like one game is going to be Tyreek a big game. The next game is going to be Waddle. And these guys are going to be going back and forth all season. But again, Waddle much much younger than Tyreek Hill, and he already has that rapport formed with his college quarterback and his quarterback in his first year in the NFL into a tongue of Iloa. So I really like him as that. I'm definitely ranking him ahead of Tyreek Hill at this point. And again, again uh, above every other receiver that isn't Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase, or Ceedee Lamb. There, there's a case to be made for, for other young receivers like T. Higgins and uh, Debo Samuel, of course, who's just 26 years old. But I have a hard time when we're talking about even those guys that you see in, in June ADP being wide receiver ones right now, the Cooper Cups, the Devontae Adams, even A.J. Brown, who's only 24 years old. I, I don't think you're too crazy when it comes to putting Waddle all the way up there, certainly above Steph- Stephon Diggs, certainly above T- D.K. Metcalf as well. I'd take him over all the running backs that you see in round two of ADP for sure, mm-hmm. including Austin Eckler and Brees Hall, uh, who comes in at the first pick in round two. So I don't think you're too far off. And, you know, that that, that short to intermediate, those opportunities, that's creating a, an excellent floor for Waddle. And once they unlock him as that downfield option, and Tyreek's going to help with that because they won't know which way it's coming from if they're coached properly, which I believe in that coaching staff down there in Miami now. Uh, that they're going to open up that offense. So I, I think Waddle, you'll see him in round one at this time next year. You might see him at this time uh, this time here in a couple months. So he, he's moving on up, and, and we, we're certainly in lockstep when it comes to Waddle being a gold mine in round two. When it comes to a landmine there, though, Matt, you went with another wide receiver. Kind of surprising for me that you chose DK Metcalf. Yeah, I I love the talent, but I'm just I just don't know what's going to happen here with uh, this this offense. Who's going to be the quarterback? Is it is it Geno Smith? Do we at this point are we at the point where we want Geno Smith to be the quarterback over Drew Locke? And if so, that's sad. You know, maybe they come out come away with Baker Mayfield, and this looks a little bit of a rosier situation for them. Um, but he's 
he's just tough in this range when you have so many players around him, uh, like the aforementioned Jalen Waddle, for example, that are in better situations, that are younger. Um, so I, I'm just worried about selecting him this early. I still love the player, just don't love the situation. I'm, I'm worried that he's going to be worth less than this uh, next season. Yeah, he, he he went as high as 13 overall in these mock drafts that we're looking at, as low as 23 overall in those six mocks. You know, that's a fair range, and I understand why people are taking him in that in that area in round two. I just see so many names below him that I would I would go with as well. I, I went a different direction, and, and maybe I cheated just a little bit because I went with the last <laughs> guy in round two. That's Nick Chubb. I think we talked about him last week or the week before. 26-year-old running backs, that's kind of where we start seeing the fall off, typically both in ADP and production as well. And while I like Chubb as a player and – he certainly is a great NFL tailback, for sure. He's just not used in that passing game, Matt. So um, he, he lacks that floor that that creates. He also lacks the, the ultimate upside that that creates from time to time. I, I think I mentioned last week that some of these guys, when they have those big two-touchdown games, they throw on those five or six receptions, break a couple tackles on those, and that creates another 10 to 12 fantasy points that blows that week, week up and for fantasy and creates that running back one overall type type uh, week for that, that wins us matchups. And, and Chubb just doesn't quite have enough of that, especially when you consider him among the other options, particularly the wide receivers. Waddle and Hill are right above him. Just behind him, guys like DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson. And then you get into into some of the, some of the guys even a round or two below at the running back uh, position. You start talking about, um, Derek Henry and J.K. Dobbins, and you get into names where I, I kind of like these other options better. They're 10, 12, 15 picks lower, creating better value as well. I'd rather take one of those wide receivers in that area, Matt, and then think about that that running back spot a little later in the draft. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, running back 10 uh, off the board at 26. He's never finished higher than running back eight in fantasy. And you mentioned the passing. I've been looking a little bit more uh, at this Browns team, you know, under the, the, the assumption that we're not going to have Deshaun Watson. And we'll talk about that situation once that gets official. But just looking specifically at the at the running backs. Uh, in in the last 16 full games that Hunt and Chubb have played together, Hunt's out targeted Chubb 60 to 24, almost almost 3x there. Uh, and then I have, I think this, I, I can't remember who this stat is from, so I apologize, but this one was shocking to me. Chubb only has one running back one week in his career when he doesn't score a touchdown, and only five running back two weeks when he doesn't score a touchdown. Uh, and if you put that another way, Chubb, if Chubb doesn't score a touchdown, then he has a uh, has uh, has been a, an RB2 or better only 8.6% of the time and a running back one only 1.7% of the time. So uh, if you think about a, a Browns team led by Jacoby Brissett, uh, I don't. I just don't see a ton of, of of rushing touchdown production close to the goal line for Nick Chubb to to kind of capitalize on on. And if he's not getting the receptions, then uh, it feels like it could be a rough season for Nick Chubb. I'm not saying he's not a good player. He's a great player. He could certainly finish as a back end running back one, early running back two. I just don't think you're going to get the weekly kind of upside from Chubb. Uh, and you know, going into next season, he'll be a year older, and we know what happens to running backs once they hit that age 27, 28 range. Uh, and just in in terms of their dynasty value. So I don't see him really able to increase his value from this point to next this point next season. Let's jump into round three, because once again, we were sharing a brain here with our landmine, Matt. 
dipped our toe in the rookie water here. Yeah, uh, we talked about him a little bit, I think, in previous weeks. But Kenneth Walker at running back 14 in the third round is is just just terrifying for me. I just talked about how bad the Seattle offense could be. Uh, and I didn't even mention the offensive line, which PFF has ranked 32nd worst overall. Uh, they have two rookies uh, on, uh, kind of on the, the, the bookends of the tackle positions and Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. And both of those guys uh, played primarily in an air raid offensive system, not a, not a, not a ground and pound system like Seattle's going to want to run. So uh, it's kind of terrifying for what he could be, even if he does get a significant chunk of the workload. And, you know, Rashad Penny's always hurt. He's hurt right now, but it seems like there was a news blurb that he has the inside track to the primary workload if he's healthy, when he's healthy. So Walker could be somebody that ends up at, as an okay fantasy option, you know, like as, as again, like Najee Harris kind of as a volume based play, if all of the things go the right direction, but it's just a, such a bad offense. It's such a bad offensive line. I just, I can't see taking him at running back 14 in the third round. I completely concur on everything you just said. It, it's just, just too high. And I, I don't mind having Walker on teams, but not when he yep. cost me that in a startup for sure. How about a gold mine in round three, Matt, who you got here? I went with Michael Pittman, and his ADP is climbing all the way up to wide receiver 16, but the more and more I look at him and what he did last season and now the upgrade in quarterback with Matt Ryan, it just I don't have any fancy stats or anything on this one. He's just a big play threat waiting to happen, I think. 6'4", uh, kind of a prototypical X, can do things in the middle. Uh, and there's not really a whole lot else there. Uh, you know, the rookie Alec Pierce is going to be exciting on deep routes uh, for clear outs and things like that Paris Campbell if he can stay healthy he'll be exciting underneath but I really think it's going to be Michael Pittman like far and away uh, getting the most of the volume in this passing offense so uh, he's somebody I would definitely take in round three over somebody like Kenneth Walker he's I think you hit the nail on the head there Matt he he is a Matt Ryan type wide receiver right he, Absolutely. he can get him the football and, and Pittman can uncover on those slants and, and crosses but he can get down the field as well, and he can be a red zone target as well. So, you know, studying this ADP, it's crazy. He went as high as number 18 overall in one of those drafts, Oof. but as low as number 45. So so not even in round three, but sometimes falling all the way to the middle to later parts of round four, and that's just a steal. So I agree completely with your Pittman take. I went with J.K. Dobbins. Um, I've t- I think I've talked a lot about Dobbins, so I, I don't need to beat a dead horse here. Um, but I, I just love running backs that are going to get lots of opportunities that don't cost you a lot, and I can get him late in the third round. Um, in fact, the last pick of the third round, 36 overall, running back 16. And I think I've said it on the show a couple times. He's one of only a handful of running backs that have the upside to be the number one overall running back in fantasy. In that offense, with that kind of workload, I know he's coming off the injury, but I love J.K. Dobbins. How about round four? We got to hit some gold mines here. And we, we went two different directions. I'll kick this one off, Matt. I went with J.K. Dobbins' teammate, Rashad Bateman. And I, I've been watching a lot of Bateman here recently. I had an opportunity to, to get him uh, on the trade market recently. So I I did a little bit of work there because I love the opportunity that he's going to have in that passing game as well with Hollywood Brown moving on. I know that some dynasty managers, Matt, are a little concerned that maybe he's a little repetitive with Mark Andrews, and they're both guys that uncover over the middle. They're they're possession receivers that are going to move the sticks for you. But I think we might be casting Bateman in the wrong light here just a little bit. 
Um, there was a game late last season. I think it was against Cincinnati. And early in that game, he dominated. He caught four passes on that opening drive, I think 10 plays, and including his only touchdown of the season. And dynasty managers were just salivating. And then he didn't catch a ball and only played like 25% of the snaps the rest of the game. That opportunity, those kind of things aren't going to happen in year two for Bateman. He's going to go from a halftime player to being their number one wide receiver and on the field all the time. There are so many opportunities for a wide receiver to step into a big role there in Baltimore, and he's the only guy that's going to that's gonna fill that role. So I love Bateman for a breakout season. I, don't, I cannot see him not getting 75, 80 catches, surpassing 1,000 yards. He could flirt with double-digit touchdowns as well. He could be a big option down there if they use him correctly. So Bateman's one of my, my favorite values in this ADP. Comes in at wide receiver 19, all the way down at 41 overall. You're talking about getting him in the fourth round, uh, potentially as a wide receiver three. I love that value right there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I took him recently as to be my wide receiver 1B, so to speak, in a, in a recent auction. So uh, I definitely have the confidence as well. I think the one thing we obviously have to think about uh, in terms of concerns is, you know, the, the volume, the passing volume that offense, if they truly do go back to 2019 uh, uh, style, of, style of offense where Lamar Jackson was so good, so efficient, um, but a lot more uh, running. Uh, in that season, uh, Marquise Brown was the wide receiver one for the team. Now, he was a rookie in that season, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Although, I mean, you could you could argue that this is Bateman's, you know, kind of his rookie season. Um, uh, he only had 71 targets, Marquise Brown, his rookie season that year as the, the wide receiver one for that team. So uh, we need a lot more volume that for him to get there, but I think he will. I think you'll see 100-plus targets easy with, 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 you know, kind of in lockstep with, with Mark Andrews there. So uh, love that call. Um, uh, my gold mine in this round around four is Travis Etienne coming back from that foot injury looks completely healthy, just reports all over camp of him blowing up all over the field, you know, kind of misquoted as saying he's the next Debo, the, the reverse Debo or whatever it was. But, uh, the fact is this guy is going to be the primary receiver out of the backfield, the primary running back until, um, until James Robinson is healthy again, uh, coming off of that Achilles injury. So uh, loving him at running back 17 in the fourth round. I see nothing but upside down uh, there. Going back and looking at his college stats, Travis Etienne scored 70 touchdowns in college just on the ground, 78 total, adding eight through the air. So if this passing game uh, and and this Jacksonville team could take a step forward in year two with with Trevor Lawrence and, you know, with an actual NFL head coach, an actual play caller, a, a, a coach that knows all the players on the team, uh, all that kind of thing. I think ETN's prime for a breakout uh, early in 2022. I like that. ETN was a guy I considered as well. When it comes to landmines, Matt, in round four, who you got here? I went with George Kittle at tight end four. And I just, I would rather, I know, boo, boo. I know. I would just, I'd rather go higher or I'd rather go lower. I just he's so inconsistent week to week. We're we, we're going to see a quarterback that is. I mean, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a Baltimore style offense with how much the quarterback is going to run. But we're going to see a quarterback run a lot, uh, and I think it's going to reduce the the passing volume overall for this offense. And we saw how good Debo is, and we saw uh, how he uh, really kind of took over that offense. Um, 
really uh, completely last last season. So I expect more of that. I expect Kittle to have massive two touchdown, 150 yard, eight touch, eight, eight, eight reception games here and there. But I think the next the next game could be you know a, a three for 33, and you're a little bit sad that you spent a fourth round pick on George Kittle instead of a guy like Travis Etienne or Rashad, Rashad Bateman. So uh, I don't hate the player. I just I'm just a little bit worried about the situation going into this season with the quarterback. I don't hate the player either, but I hate that call. George Kittle is a monster. <laughs> I love him. Tight end four last year had eight tight end one games uh, and was top seven, a top seven tight end in six out of seven in that stretch, like between weeks 10 and 15, whatever it is. Um, he was also the, the tight end one overall three times last year, had those massive games that you're talking about. And when it comes to tight end, that's what I want. I want those, those games where you can catch 13 balls for 150 yards and two touchdowns and win the week for you. If that comes with a few of those games that are two catches for 21, I can take that. But that, that massive weekly upside is, is what I'm in, what I'm there for with Kittle. And plus I, he, he's awesome. He's just a cool guy. He's so fun to watch. He's, he's fun so to fun watch, to watch for sure. In round five, we had some landmines as well. Matt, I went with TJ Hawkinson. And it's not because I don't like the player. It's, it's partially because I don't love that offense and, and the quarterback and all those things. They haven't put it all together just yet, and they will. But now they have more weapons already in, in Detroit. They we, We're also... Aren't we getting kind of sick of the whole TJ Hawkinson thing? We're, we've been waiting <laughs> for him to be a guy like George Kittle. Coming out of Iowa, supposed to be this, this seam stretcher and this guy that can, can change that offense and, and change things for us as dynasty managers with those huge games that we were just talking about with Kittle. That's not happening. We haven't seen it to this point. I think week one last year, he, he, he had that, that burst of a game and then kind of disappeared. He struggled with injuries. And I'm just I'm just not into paying tight end five prices for a guy that's still on upside. We we've been burned by these type of players so many times, the Eric Ebrons of the world that yeah, but the potential's still there. And I'm getting tired of it with Hawkinson. So I'm gonna use that pick on a different player in round five. Yeah, I do actually hate picking Hawkinson. Uh, in round five more than I hate picking Kittle in round four. So um, you have that uh, going for you for sure with this pick. And, <laughs> and, and you know, a lot of the success he's had has been largely because there hasn't been anybody else in the, the passing offense uh, in terms of weapons. But that's not the case anymore. Amon Ross St. Brown has emerged. Uh, obviously, DeAndre Swift is going to catch a ton of passes. And now we got Jamison Williams in town too once he gets healthy. So he's no longer the top option. He may not even be... Uh, be the second option anymore. Uh, so I, I like that call quite a bit. I mean, he, I think he's fine. I just think you can you can get that kind of production later in your draft. Uh, you know, Travis Kelsey is is, is going in a, in a similar uh, kind of range, and I would I would take the vo- the volume of Travis Kelsey uh, even even if it's only for another year or two over over Hawkinson for the rest of his career. Who you got as your round five landmine, man? I went with David Montgomery. Uh, I just I hate the team. You know, I, maybe there's some 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 Packers 
hatred for the Bears and this, but Montgomery is just kind of an unexciting option at running back 19 in the fifth round. I think he's fine. I don't think the pick is going to kill you. I think he's going to see plenty of volume. Uh, but, you know, my, uh, Khalil Herbert is pretty good in, in four games last season without without uh, David Montgomery uh, in, in the lineup. Herbert averaged almost 20 attempts, rushing attempts per game, all, just over two receptions a game. Uh, so he, I think, will be more involved with this coaching staff. And also the offense is just it's just bad. You know, maybe I think you can make maybe make the argument that Fields is going to be better, but they certainly didn't help him out either with weapons uh, or with the offensive line. Uh, PFF has them ranked as the 31st. Uh, offensive line in the league. Just, only team they're ahead of is the Seahawks that we talked about a little bit earlier. So that's bad news for a running back. Uh, and really, in Montgomery has had has had one very good season in 2020 when he was the running back eight with 17.7 points per game. Uh, but otherwise, uh, his rookie season, he finished as the running back 32 in points per game. And last season, he was the running back 17. So I think you can lock him in as a, you know, an unexciting, probably low end running back to mid to low end running back too, and that's that's fine. But I'm just looking other directions in week with with my round five pick. When it comes to gold mines in round five, I went with a, a name we've talked about a lot on recent shows. It's Hollywood Brown, uh, wide receiver, 26, just turned 25 years old in the perfect offense for what his skill set brings, and going to have lots of opportunities early in the season, like. I, maybe my hype train's getting out of control, but I he's going <laughs> to cut his ADP in half or better by midseason. I'm sure of it. He He's going to be in the second round next year. And I can't believe people are allowing him to, to fall all the way into round, round five. So that was an easy pick for me. You went a different way, though, Matt. Yeah, I went with a rookie wide receiver. I, I love the Marquise Brown call. Just kind of wanted to talk about a, a different player, and that's Chris Olave, uh, the rookie. You know, I think widely regarded as maybe one of the best pro ready kind of kind of running back or excuse me wide receivers in this draft class can attack the field at all three levels, be successful at all three levels. We have Michael Thomas. You know, still two years into this ankle injury, foot injury, whatever it is, you know, we've seen video of him still kind of hobbling around, not really looking like he's ready to play football. You know, we have a lot of time before the regular season starts, but uh, this is going to be a different offense. So we're going to have, I think we're going to have Jarvis Landry really doing his thing in the short and intermediate areas of the field and and Olave mixing in kind of, kind of everywhere until Michael Thomas can get back on the field. So I think we could see him be productive in year one. Uh, and we'll certainly get those high value uh, targets down the field with a guy like Jameis Winston, who loves to, we know, loves to throw a deep. Um, and he's the only one on the team, I think, that we can really see uh, him profiting from that outside of, you know, Marcus Callaway from last season is okay in that regard. But I think Olave, it's, it's Olave's job to lose. I like that one as well. We, when we talked about um, doing this topic, Matt, we, we originally prepared to go through nine rounds, but that's a lot of guys. So let's lump these next uh, next yep. few rounds together. Round six, seven, eight, and nine. First, your landmines, Matt. You picked Darnell Mooney in round six, James Conner in round seven, Michael Thomas in round eight, and Tony Pollard in nine, round nine as your landmines. Who of those really stand out to you? to you is the biggest biggest one for you uh well let's talk about connor because we haven't really talked about him i think you wanted to talk about him and i i i see all of the upside in the world for this season you know i think he's going to get all of the workload for a very good offense but he had 18 touchdowns last season uh and i just it's it's very difficult for me to see him 
uh, getting there again or even to the double-digit mark. We know about his injury history. If he gets hurt, if he has a bad season, the value that you have in James Conner is, to me, is all but gone. I think, you know, this time next season, are, are you going to be even able to get a second-round pick for him? I just don't know. So I, I I think he could have a very good season in, in, in 2022, but the touchdown numbers and the regression there and the injury history scares me too much to, to spend a pick on him in this range considering other players that we have. That stretch that he had in the second half of last year Incredible. was magnificent, right? He, I think he had the one Incredible. hiccup in, uh, you know, the week that he got hurt. Um, and that kind of hurt dynasty managers a little bit. And he, he missed a couple games after that. But he was finishing as a wide receiver, excuse me, a running back one every single week. And maybe we're paying for that a little bit too much at this point. He's one of them guys, if you have him on your team and you profited all year last year from him, He's hard to get rid of at this point, but but maybe you're right, and it is time to to see what you can get on the trade market because he is one injury away from that the the, the air falling out of that balloon. My landmines in round six through nine in order: Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver, thirty-four; James Cook, running back, twenty-eight; Dalton Schultz in round eight, tight end, eight; and then Damian Harris, running back, thirty-one in round nine. I'm going to, you know, I, I already talked about Juju. He's, he's the biggest one for me. I, I've talked about him a couple times, though. I'm going to switch over to James Cook because he's another rookie that lots of dynasty managers, Matt, are pretty excited about his upside. He's certainly an electrifying player. I love his skill set as an NFL fan. I, I would love for him to be on my favorite team because he's going to create some big plays. If you're setting a lineup, though, it's going to be difficult to decide when to play James Cook. Not only because of that that herky-jerky maybe um, skill set that he has where where he can get caught in the backfield a couple times in a row and then take the next 180 yards, but also because he plays in Buffalo. And that, that team just has not committed to a running game, hasn't committed to a running back either in the last handful of years. So I, I just have a hard time trusting Cook, and I think maybe dynasty managers – are falling in love with the player more than they are the role that that player is going to have at the NFL level. He's not an every down back. He's not going to not gonna carry the mail for, for the Buffalo Bills, most likely at any time in his career. He is going to make those big splash plays that make ESPN and, and, and uh, make a highlight reel for you. And if you can decide when to put him in your lineup, you're, you're a better dynasty player than me. Matt, how about some gold mines? Round six through nine. I like your list here. Cortland Sutton in round six. Amon Ross St. Brown in, in round seven. Miles Sanders in round eight. And then Hunter Renfro, a great pick in round nine. Yeah, let's go to let's go to Sanders. I feel like we've talked about the other guys uh, quite a bit, especially Sutton and 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 St. Brown. I just I, I just love so much at that price. But Miles Sanders, uh, he's gone from a, a top twelve kind of ADP in terms of the, uh, positional ADP for running backs all the way down to running back twenty nine. Uh, he's just barely above Tony Pollard, who is a part-time player at running back 30. And I just feel like at this point, the value is too, too deep for, for Miles Sanders. Uh, that's, that's wrong. I think that the Philadelphia offense is going to be improved uh, across the board. Uh, and Sanders is, is the guy in the, in the backfield for me. I know we still have Gainwell there from last season. It's probably going to catch a bunch of passes, but I don't see him taking too much of the between the tackle stuff. And I'm sure Boston Scott will probably mix in uh, again as well, like he always does. Uh, but Sanders, I think, 
think is the primary beneficiary. The question with him is always health. And he's got some uh, serious touchdown regression, I think, in the positive direction coming after scoring zero rushing touchdowns uh, last season. So <laughs> huge disappointment there. Uh, let's let's hope that Jalen Hurts gives a few of those to Sanders this year uh, towards the goal line. But I, I just think this price is too cheap for a, a talented player like Miles Sanders. Yeah, in round eight, you're, if you're doing the zero RB thing, maybe you get him as your RB2 yeah. or, or, you know, the modified zero RB. Um, most likely he's your RB3, though, maybe even RB4. And his upside is still solid RB2 type contributions. I know that offense is a little bit weird because of the Jalen Hurts effect and because there are those other tailbacks that they like to mix in for 10 or 12 snaps a game. But if Sanders stays healthy, he he's going to he's going to move up ADP still a young they, tailback for sure. They also have the number one ranked offensive line by PFF this season. So that helps too. And that helps for sure. My guys in round six, I picked AJ Dillon. Love him in round six. He's going to, he's going to surprise a lot of dynasty managers. Alan Robinson in round seven, man, he's, he's going to be great too. I love my list here. Kadarius Tony <laughs> wide receiver 50 in round eight. That is a steal. And I didn't pick a round nine guy. Matt, I went all the way down to round 13 and took MVS, Marquez Valdez, Gantling. In Kansas City, he he infuriated us. As Packers fans, he'll be just fine and get a lot of opportunities in Kansas City. Uh, I, I don't really want to talk about just one. I think I kind of hit on all four of them. Tony, though, he is so good. So, so good. And he he has the upside to be a wide receiver, too, in ADP next year. And he showed why in those three or four game span. Now, he's got to stay healthy, and he's kind of got to stay out of the news as well. But I want Kadarius Toney on every single team because he's going to – I think he – there's a chance he could win. We're going to talk about underdog here in a minute and and their best ball mania three contest. He could win somebody that tournament because he's that good and, and he's that dynamic all over the field. He makes people miss. He he can he can create on an end around or that quick tunnel screen. He can also get deep on people. He, he's so fast and so electrifying. Um, just a human highlight reel, really. And I cannot believe that dynasty managers hate him this much to put him all the way at wide receiver 50. If I was doing rankings right now, he'd be closer to 35 than 50 to me. I, I'm not a fan, but at this price, I, I agree with you at, at this stage. Uh, I just I'm not I still don't believe in the quarterback. I know we got a new coach that maybe will take advantage of his, his strengths, but don't don't love the quarterback. And they drafted Wondell Robinson, who's kind of the same player, but oh maybe gosh. better from totally a produ- different. from a production get, get standpoint. Out of here with that noise. He's if <laughs> if anything, he's a slot like he's just the underneath stuff. He's not going to catch those screens and stuff. And I guess maybe he does that if Tony's unavailable. But why would you throw that to Wandale when you have Kadarius Tony on the team? That, that'd be horrible he's too, coaching. He's too quick for his own feet. He just catches the ball and then slips and, and makes three tries to make a move and, and then falls down. For 189 yards. And <laughs> one time. Let's see, one it, let's see oh, it string yeah, it together. Yeah, yeah. I guess he was six for 78 <laughs> in a half a game the week before. Uh, I love Tony. So um, since I just talked about underdog, I should mention him again. Uh, guys, Underdog is the easiest way to play fantasy football, and you can do it right now in just a few minutes. It's so much fun. They focus on season-long best ball. Just draft your team. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no in-season management. You get the best possible score. 
from your team each week of the season and the highest scoring team at the end of the year wins money so you know underdog makes it easy to get started on top of it with simple a, a simple user interface a really slick mobile app and you can kick off the best ball season right now by entering that contest that i told you about best ball mania 3 10 million dollars that's the prize pool get a piece of that right now head to underdogfantasy.com sign up with the promo code dlf and underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 bucks not only that we're going to give you a full year of dlf premium for free so don't forget all you have to do is use that promo code dlf when you sign up for underdog fantasy Let's hear from the listeners. It's time for the question of the week. Oh, we got a few questions to get through this week, Matt. We we got a good response for sure. Um, first one. <laughs> this one's a fun one for sure. What do you do after you spent every future draft pick you had to build a team that won back-to-back titles and you don't think you will last for another? I love this question, Matt. I, You know, I've been in these shoes for sure. I've done this. First of all, congratulations on your championship. Secondly, I saw some re- replies. It, pay- it paid off, right? You made the right moves. You got the championships. You got to stick it out now because I-, I saw some replies to that tweet that said, bail, get out of the league. You, get- you got your wins. Hell no, you can't do that after you get your titles because you mortgage that future. Now, part of that fun is building it back into a contender once again. But Matt, if you're doing this, how exactly do you do that? I, I agree with you. I, I think you have to go for the three-peat because like a back-to-back is really fun and it doesn't happen very often, but a three-peat almost never happens. So I'm actually in that situation in, in Red List 1, um, but I would say my team is, is a strong contender again for, for a third string. Um, I do have another team that Humble I completely break. blew up. <laughs> I do have another team uh, in my longest running league. It's a 10-year uh, we just computer converted to Superflex. I made the playoffs every year of this league, um, but finally decided to blow it up. Uh, and, you know, I'd, all of my players were aging, guys like Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, some some youth like Juju. And, and basically I've sold every single piece I can for whatever picks I can get. And I think in some of these situations, you have to take less than you want to take for a player. But a guy like... You know, Keenan Allen, who turns 30 year old, maybe you can't get that that mid first round pick, uh, late, even a late first round pick at this point. But if you hold on to him, not only is it is it putting points in your in your in your lineup, uh, which is going to decrease your uh, your probably decrease your 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 draft pick for the following season. But you're not getting any value for it. And the longer you hold, just the less and less you're going to get from him. So maybe you have to take a second and third instead of a first. Um, but I think really the if you're dead set on on blowing up the team. Uh, and you have a lot of these older guys, you just you just sell and take whatever you get. I've I've managed to acquire seven first round picks in next year's draft on this rebuild team. So uh, you know if you have the if if you're a back to back title team, it, it's almost guaranteed that you have some good pieces and might be able to do something similar to that. So take whatever you can get for the older players and use the the youth. Uh, and, and maybe the upcoming players to to really get the the big ticket items like those twenty three first rounders. And if you're if you're not in a league where where those other managers want to give up the draft picks, start targeting some of those players down the ADP yep. right now. The younger guys, some of the guys that we talked about earlier. Rashad Bateman, in go get show, Rashad Bateman, Bateman and, and Kadarius Tony and AJ Dillon, all those kind of names. Uh, notice I picked the guys that I 
that I chose earlier. Those, <laughs> those were better than yours, Matt. Uh, but I completely agree. You got to just tear it down to the studs and start all over again. And, and and the advice you gave there, sometimes take the second and the third rather than holding out and needing that first. We're also, we're in the hot time to move those veterans because people are starting to look at their lineup and, and think to themselves, who's my running back to this year? Well, Leonard Fournette would look great in that in that role for that yep. team, you know, so move on from Fournette, move on from, uh, from all those veterans and, uh, get what you can. That's great advice, but really go for the three Pete. If you have any chance at all. Yeah. The three, cause the three Pete, you don't get a lot of chances at that either. So, um, second question here from Kyle on Twitter, looking to start a dynasty league for the first time. Just wondering what standard roster size is for most leagues, Matt, we, a lot of times we get really in depth, but it's nice to <laughs> to uh, jump back to the beginning, right? The basics. And this is a good question because we do have listeners that that are relatively new to Dynasty and want to know um, how to get into it and how to start their league. This one specifically, standard roster size for most leagues. It's a tough one to answer because there are a lot of different settings. But how would you? Yeah, I think if you're going with a vanilla one quarterback dynasty league, the minimum you're going to want is 20 to 25. I prefer 25. If you're in a super flex or a tight end premium, you start adding stuff. I think you got to go up to 25 minimum with with a 30. I, I kind of like in between the 25 and 30 range for all leagues, but it just kind of depends on what you want to do with it. Because if you want a, a league that has a, a very active waiver wire each week, which is not what I want, I, I hate the waiver wire. But if that's something you want, you know, cut it down to 20. The capitalist pig leagues which unfortunately just shut their doors it was a, a a huge a huge format for uh 14 team league but there's two to three copies depending on which league you were talking about uh and because there was only 20 roster spots like the the waiver wire was active every single week in these leagues so kind of based on what what you want but you know standard answer for me would be 25 minimum and, and 30 more ideal yeah you, it really comes down to what your preference is i think you answered it well there um and, and the one thing with roster size is it is something that is relatively easy to adjust when you get your group together and you, you start playing. If you choose to do 20 early on and then realize that, that you'd like to be able to stash a few more players, um, do a league vote and, and move on from there. I, I wouldn't get hung up too much when you're setting up those league rules uh, on, on the roster size. It's important. But uh, but there's a lot of things to get right, and roster size is, isn't necessarily the highest on the list. Uh, next one from Kev. Best quarterback three with an ADP of 25 or later at the position for floor, and then best one for ceiling, Matt. Let's, let's start with the floor, because a lot of times that's where you can get some, some base scoring, right? Usually we're targeting a veteran. It's a pretty easy one for me. We talked about him earlier on the show. Quarterback 27 right now is Matt Ryan. I love the transition. I know he's 37 years old. He's probably only got a, a couple of years of a window for, for any kind of production. But the fit there in Indianapolis is perfect. With those weapons and his skill set to deliver the ball on time and accurately seems like a great match to me. And I expect quarterback two, maybe even high-end quarterback two type numbers, for nearly free. So if you're talking about for floor, I'm going with Matt Ryan, who you got as a floor option down there. Yeah, I don't actually see my guy coming up on the one quarterback list. So I'm going to give his, his super flex ADP. And, and I think for me, it, it might, 
as I'm not going to say it's the same player, um, but I'm, I'm going to go with Jared Goff. Uh, look, we, we know to th- know about Jared Goff. He couldn't, he, he went to the Super Bowl with the Rams, but he was kind of held up by the team around him. Uh, but guess what? The, the Lions have good weapons again. So uh, I'm kind of optimistic about Goff this season at quarterback 29 in super flex leagues. Uh, I just I don't know he he feels real sneaky to me based on the weapons he has uh, uh, but I think Matt Ryan is is probably a safer call. Wow, I mean you went to the floor like your team <laughs> is going to end up on the floor if you're if you're, if you're going with golf as your guy. He wasn't too he wasn't <laughs> terrible last year. How about Come a on. ceiling? You got to go to the ceiling. You better aim high because you're going to need it. Oh, buddy. I'm going to aim real high. Who's your ceiling? I'm going to go with the with ceiling. This is probably not coming in coming this season. You're going to have to wait a little bit. But for me, that's going to be Malik Willis, a, a perfect prospect. Uh, if 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 Brian Tannehill falters at all, uh, I think he maybe gets some some play towards the end of this year. And if he hits with that rushing ability, with that cannon of an arm, uh, you know he you know again, assuming he gets the opportunity going into year two, and then once we see what he has and he's good going into year three, that just the combination of skills that he has uh, could put him in the 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 low end quarterback one situation or sure. excuse me range at, at some at some point if he hits. Might as well aim for the moon. I'll take Davis Mills. You said. As my guy, quarterback twenty-eight. Um, I don't think that's a that's a great ceiling. That you're not shooting for the moon for sure. But I wanted to go a little bit different than you. Consider Desmond Ritter because he's a little more athletic as well. I liked enough of what I saw of Davis Mills to to see in the range of outcomes that he could he could come up with a, a nice second season, build on what he did as a rookie, and potentially be a guy that we can depend on down the road. Uh, no guarantee that happens, of course, but but I can see a path to that for Davis Mills. Uh, let's move on to Garrett King. He had a question for us. Debo or DK for Dynasty? Man, this one's pretty easy for me, Matt. Who you got? Yeah, it hurts, but I have to go with Debo Samuel. It's just a better team around him. Uh, we don't know when Seattle's going to be good again, so... Uh, I'll, I'll I'll go with Debo. My, my, I think I think if they were in equal situations, I would take Metcalf. But just given the teams they're on, I'll go Debo. I'm going with Debo easily for me. I love the skill set, love the offense he's in. All everything adds up to Debo having another big season, and that's even if he doesn't get, go play running back. So I don't I don't think that's true for DK at this point in his career. <laughs> Matthew Wyatt had the final question for us, and then we'll wrap things up, Matt. Josh Allen or Justin Herbert, first quarterback off the board. ADP suggests it's Patrick Mahomes that should be the first quarterback right now. Josh Allen's been been kind of lurking and been the quarterback one a couple times as well. If you're choosing between Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, Matt, who are you taking? If I have to pick between these two, I will pick Josh Allen. But honestly, the answer for me is is Lamar Jackson still for for lots of reasons that we've talked about in the past. But these two, it, I think it's Allen at this point. I can see Herbert passing them. It's just tough to see, uh, you know, the, the rushing production with Allen is just just you know, through the roof. And there has been some rumors that the play callers are not super excited with him doing that, especially as he ages. So maybe that tails off and, and, and Herbert, uh, you know, as almost two years older or excuse me, two years younger than Josh Allen, maybe he holds on to that and increases it a little bit. But I think right now with, with back-to-back quarterback one seasons off his belt between these two, you have to go with Allen. Yeah, I would as well. My quarterback one right now is still Patrick Mahomes. I prefer the consistency that he offers. I like the, the coaching staff, the play calling, all those things. Josh Allen's right behind him, though, and I don't think 
when you're talking about these top four, five, six quarterbacks going all the way down to probably Joe Burrow or Kyler Murray, whoever you have at six, you, nobody, nobody's too upset about clicking that box next to their name every single week and putting them in their starting quarterback spot. If I have to go for the upside, though, between these two, I, I think I'm still going with Josh Allen. So hopefully that answers Matthew's question. Uh, we're going to try to jump in the DeLorean and, and talk a little future stuff, Matt, but we didn't get around to it. We'll save that for next week when Ryan is Couldn't back. we just use the DeLorean to back up a, like a little bit? Could, isn't that the way it works? Yeah, that, I'll try to, I'll try to get, punch all the right <laughs> buttons over here and get us there. Uh, but while we do that, we should get out of here. Follow Ryan, RyanMC23. Matt's at MattPriceFF. I'm at DMiler22 in the podcast, at DLF Podcast for your question of the week. Tell us about how we're doing. Make sure to rate and review uh, the podcast as well. We really appreciate that. And check out our friends at Underdog. Remember the code DLF. We're out of here for this week. We appreciate you listening. Um, Ryan's back next week, so that should be fun. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.